everyone and welcome to the ninth episode of Phoenix Feather Fantasy Book Reviews brought to you by JustAnotherStrugglingWriter.com. My name is Carrie Share, and I am Just Another Struggling Writer. Well friends, you might notice that this episode is coming to you a little later than usual this week and I'd like to have a good reason for you but the truth is I don't. I was just feeling extra procrastinating this last week, and it got to be Sunday night, and I still hadn't recorded. I, I kept telling myself, I need to do it, I need to do it, I need to do it, but alas, I um, didn't, and so here we are. But I was determined to get an episode out this week, so I wasn't skipping yet another week, especially after the pretty up-and-down April I had, so I just decided I would push it off for a few days, get it all together for you, and go from there. I am planning on having a regularly scheduled episode again on Monday, but we'll see how that goes. And sadly, I don't even have writing to talk about because things have just been so crazy busy at my day job. I've got a lot of new responsibilities, a heavier workload, and I'm happy with it. I'm excited about it, but it does chew up a lot of those nooks and crannies of my day that I used to use for writing or reading or whatever. And now those are kind of vanishing from my schedule. So it is more incumbent on me to come home and work. But after a, such a full work day, it's, it's getting a little bit harder to say the least. It'll all be fine. I just got to figure out a new balance for everything. And that pretty much covers everything on my end, so without further ado, we're going to jump right into the review. This week we're covering The Last Tale of the Flower Bride by Roshani Chokshi. First, the synopsis. Once upon a time, a man who believed in fairy tales married a beautiful, mysterious woman named Indigo Maxwell Castaneda. He was a scholar of myths, she was heiress to a fortune. They exchanged gifts and stories and believed they would live happily ever after. And in exchange for her love, Indigo extracted a promise that her bridegroom would never pry into her past. But when Indigo learns that her estranged aunt is dying and the couple is forced to return to her childhood home, the House of Dreams, the bridegroom will soon find himself unable to resist. For within the crumbling manor's extravagant rooms and musty halls, there lurks the shadow of another girl, Azure, Indigo's dearest childhood friend who suddenly disappeared. As the house slowly reveals his wife's secrets, the bridegroom will be forced to choose between reality and fantasy, even if doing so threatens to destroy their marriage or their lives. Combining the lush, haunting atmosphere of Mexican Gothic with the dreamy enchantment of the invisible life of Addie LaRue, The Last Tale of the Flower Bride is a spellbinding and darkly romantic page-turner about love and lies, secret and betrayal, and the stories we tell ourselves to survive. Okay, so the first thing I have to say about this book is that it has a major marketing problem. 
This was marketed pretty much everywhere I saw it as fantasy. And uh, minor spoilers, this is not fantasy. There are no fantasy elements. There's barely even paranormal elements. It's a contemporary story with gothic. It's it's a gothic feel of a contemporary story. And that's about it. Um, <laughs> I don't know why this was marketed as a fantasy. There's nothing fantasy about it. And... It actually, the marketing of it as a fantasy actually kind of spoiled the ending for me. I was able to guess the ending because I thought it was a fantasy. And I'll get into that in the spoiler section more. But the marketing ended up ruining the ending of the book for me because I guessed it early on based on me thinking it was a fantasy. And first of all, I am trying to read specifically fantasy, as I mentioned in my introductory episode, because I am trying to become more well-read in the genre I hope to write in, and it's just my favorite genre to read. This is like, I I don't even know how to describe this book. It's just a contemporary gothic story. I I wouldn't call it a mystery. I wouldn't call it a thriller. I I don't know what I would call it. It's, It's a contemporary gothic story. It's not fantasy. It's not paranormal. It's it, The prose is extremely purple and very flowery, and that kind of contributes to the overall gothic feeling, I think, but that really is about it. It kind of presents this kind of hazy kind of atmosphere where you feel like nothing is certain or stable, but ultimately, again, this isn't like a horror story or anything like that. Ultimately, this is a story about toxic female friendship. So at the start of this book, we are introduced to one of our POV characters, the bridegroom. We never get his name. It's told from first person perspective. And he is a historian who focuses on fairy tales and curating objects of myth, you know, ancient poems and things like that. So he is extremely well-versed in fairy tales and mythology and things, and that is a recurring theme throughout his narration. And in the course of his studies, he meets this woman, Indigo Maxwell Castaneda. She is the heiress to a hospitality fortune. Like her family owns several very, very lush like hotels across the world. And they meet because she is in possession of one of the items he is looking for. And they very quickly fall in love and get together. And Indigo is a just kind of an enigma. She's like, um, how would I describe her? Um, even from the very beginning, I had the sense that she was just trying too hard to be different. She was just leaning too hard into the enigmatic, flowery, dream princess, gothic princess persona. And that's pretty much her entire personality. She All she wants to do is live in a dream world where... You you know, because she's so rich, you know, she can kind of make that happen for herself. However, she does not like talking about her past at all. And when it comes time that her estranged aunt who raised her is very close to passing away and they've, they've called her back home, she knows that that house is the link to her past that she does not want her husband to find out about. However, they must go and go they do. And from there, it all, I would say it unravels really quickly, but I mean, 
it doesn't even really unravel. As soon as they arrive at the house, we start getting chapters from a different perspective in the past from Azure, who was Indigo's childhood best friend, who in the present day we know abruptly disappeared from Indigo's life after graduation. And because her husband is forbidden to even ask about Azure, we don't know the cause of their fallout or, you know, anything like that. We just know that her best friend is no longer in her life. And so once we get to the house in the present day, then we start getting chapters from Azure's perspective detailing their friendship from the very beginning. And so in the present day, after they arrive at the house, after Indigo and her husband arrive at the house, there isn't really a lot of plot in the present day. You know, it's pretty much just filler for the the Azure chapters. And then the Azure chapters are what's really interesting, which is the detailing of how these two girls became friends and how it went so wrong. And I'm just going to leave it at that because I don't want to spoil anything else. Um, I feel like I've already given a lot away. But with that, we're going to go straight into the spoiler section. For those of you who don't want spoilers, but still want to hear my final rating and the preview for next week, you can jump ahead to the 22 minute, 46 second mark to hear the rest. Okay, so this spoiler section is actually going to be really short because there isn't really much to give away besides the ending. And as I said, I guessed that really early from the very first Azure chapter that we got, which is about 20% into the book. I guess the ending right away because of the marketing that this was a fantasy. So when Azure meets Indigo for the first time as like eight or nine year old girls, Indigo is basically trying to summon some fairies because she is convinced that she is a fae and she wants the fairies to come and take her back to the fae realm. And from that very first moment, I was like, oh, it's a changeling story. And I bet that... Indigo isn't Indigo, she's actually Azure. Well, guess what? (laughs) I was right, just in the wrong way. As I said, this story is really about toxic female friendship. As we see Azure's and Indigo's friendship develop, Indigo very subtly becomes pretty controlling of Azure. Azure comes from a not-so-great background She was living with her mother, um, her single mother, until her mother met a man named Jupiter who was really skeevy, kind of given off the pedo vibes. He kept, there there was just a lot of inappropriate contact between him and Azure. Not outright sexual abuse, but pretty, pretty heavily implied that he was looking at her in that way. And to kind of get out of the house, she ends up meeting Indigo and then spending the majority of her time and life with Indigo in the house, which is called the House of Dreams. And as I said, as the girls grow up, Indigo becomes just like a really domineering personality in kind of subtle ways. She is using her position as a person of means. She, you know, she's got this great big house and she's the heir to a fortune. She's being cared for by her aunt after her parents have died in an accident. I think it's not really clear. And so her aunt is just her caretaker. She's not really in charge of the 
inheritance. It's mentioned a few times that Indigo is just waiting to turn 18 to come into her trust. So anyway, so Indigo is kind of using her position as someone with this big fancy house and all this money and this kind of fervent belief that she and by extension Orjur are fae and that when they turn 18, they are going to become fae themselves and join the fae realm. And it just it just goes downhill from there. Indigo starts insisting that they wear similar clothing. At one point, Tati, who is Indigo's aunt, wants to take the girls on an international trip just for fun. And because Azure expressed interest, but Indigo doesn't really want her to have any interest beyond the house and their little make-believe world that they have, Indigo steals her passport and hides it. There is a time where Indigo has to travel for business purposes related to her family's business. And in that short time that she's away, Azure ends up meeting a boy that she likes. And when Indigo returns, she immediately sleeps with the boy. And then the ultimate betrayal is, well, second to ultimate betrayal is when Coming up on their graduation, Azure is wanting to leave the island. They live on an island off the coast of the Pacific Northwest, and she's wanting to leave with the island with or leave the island with her mother because her mother is finally trying to leave Jupiter, you know, understanding that he is the cause for their bad relationship. And she's finally kind of starting to see the light and she wants to reconnect with her daughter. And so Azure and her mom want to leave the island after they graduate. And in response to Azure having this expression of independence and separation from Indigo, Indigo drugs Azure and sets her up to be molested by Jupiter. She says that nothing happens, but she basically takes pictures of Indigo undressed on Jupiter's bed to blackmail her to her mother. And then her mom and Jupiter, you know, pretty much leave and, and Azure is left in Indigo's clutches. <sighs> yeah. And then the last thing that happens is after their graduation, after Indigo's turned 18 and she has all her money, she wants to give a gift to Azure that we find out is murder. <laughs> she basically wants to kill her or themselves to go to the quote other world, which is like the theme throughout the book. And then they have a scuffle and then Indigo is the one that ends up dead and Azure just takes her place. It's uh, talked about a little bit throughout the book that they look similar enough and then they act similar enough that a lot of people get them confused. And at that point, um, Toddy, the aunt, is blind because it's hinted that Indigo attacked her. So Azure, who wanted ultimately to escape, ends up trapped in Indigo's life. And, of course, her husband in the present day finds enough clues to figure out that Indigo is the one that is dead and Azure is the one that has, you know, been, you know, been living this lie all this time. And that's pretty much it. That's pretty much the whole story. And it was interesting. 
but I wasn't really compelled by any of it. I really, I don't like reading about bad people just being bitchy to people, you know, like it's just hard for me. I don't, I don't really care for these kinds of stories. And so it was just really heartbreaking that I I will say for, for this, the author did a really good job of showing how these two girls were so intertwined as children, but as they grew up, they can't, they can't possibly stay identical as they grow up. You know, Azure was developing interests in other things like in boys and in music and going to the movies and learning how to drive and, you know, spending time with her mom again. And Indigo was learning that she wasn't Azure's whole world anymore. And to take control, she tried to kill her. And so it was kind of a struggle for me to read. I hated it so much for her, uh, for Azure, who at several times was close to realizing her own individual personality and then Indigo just stomped it out of her. Like, but in a, in a, in a way that made Azure feel like she was loved, you know? So it really was abusive. It was really toxic. And then of course, then you actually have the attack on Toddy, which is never really explored too deeply. It's, it's, it's heavily hinted that Indigo was the one that attacked her and blinded her with bleach. (laughs) And then she kind of like went insane after that. So like I said, I was kind of underwhelmed by the ending because I had guessed from the beginning that it was a changeling story because of the Fae connection. And while the Fae was just like a figment of Indigo's imagination that she was forcing onto Azure, I was still right in the end. It was a situation where Indigo died and Azure took her place. So I was kind of disappointed that the marketing let me down like this because if I hadn't ardently believed that this was a fantasy and that we were going to get actual Fae, I don't know that I would have made that connection if I was just reading this as a contemporary gothic story. Um, I might have because, you know, when you're theming it that heavily, it's not that far a conclusion to jump to. But so I was kind of disappointed by that. I was kind of disappointed by the fact that that the majority of the story after the first 20% was told from Azure's perspective when the synopsis is pretty heavy on the bridegroom's perspective and him going to this house and learning all his wife's secrets when that really wasn't the case. He was just sort of a placeholder chapter person. He didn't, he doesn't really do much in the way of investigating. It all sort of just like falls into his lap. He like goes into one room that he's not supposed to go into and that's it. I will say that the other thing that kind of took me by surprise was the bridegroom actually had kind of his own past that he was coping with that was really interesting, which is why I wish we got more of him, in that when he was a child, he fervently believed that he had a younger brother, and he has these really vivid memories of playing with his brother until one day he was looking for him and his mom and dad said, what are you talking about? You don't have a brother. And so throughout his perspective, he has moments where he has these really vivid memories of his brother, but he knows that they aren't true. He knows that they're just figments of his imagination. So he's kind of grappling with that. And as his perspective goes on, we learn that he actually did have a brother and that his home life, as he recalls it, was 
wasn't as pleasant as he as he remembers. It was actually pretty abusive, and his brother ended up dying, and the narrator felt some responsibility for that death, and so it was just a defense mechanism in his brain to convince himself that he didn't have a brother. And after his brother's death, his parents pretty much forbid all mention of him. So anytime he would have mentioned him after that, it was not really a thing. So I found that really interesting. I really wish we would have delved into his perspective more. I really wish we would have gotten more of him investigating and, you know, grappling with keeping his promise to his wife that he wouldn't cry and knowing that something wasn't right. Because really that's all it is, is that he he gets to the house and then Toddy, you know, who is still living, but, you know, on her deathbed draws him aside and basically says, find out what happened to Azure. And he is like, oh, well, I shouldn't because Indigo asked me not to. But if I do, then maybe you know, this really intense relationship we have will actually be able to breathe. And I, re- I just wish we got more of that part of it. Like, I get it. This really ultimately was a story about toxic female friendship, but it just wasn't really sold that way. And again, this is all down to the marketing. The marketing really, I feel like, let down this book in terms of my expectations. And again, sometimes that's good. Sometimes subverting expectations are good, but you can't tag this as a fantasy. You can't market this as a fantasy when it's not a fantasy. It's not even a low fantasy. It's not a first world fantasy. It's not fantasy at all. There's no fantastical elements. The closest you come to maybe a fantasy or paranormal element is that the house, the house of dreams seems to have like a personality, but it's it's not, she doesn't really lean into it as much as you would expect for something that's being labeled as a fantasy or, you know, something paranormal. It just sometimes, it just sometimes acts as, I don't know, I don't even know how to describe it. It just has like a personality where it like, it wants you to do things and it, you can tell if it likes you and it's just, I don't know. I feel like if she really committed to that bit, it would have been stronger, but as it was, it just kind of felt kind of meh as a, as background information. Yeah, I just felt, I just felt like I was just waiting for something to develop. And about halfway through, I was like, this isn't a fantasy. This, I mean, I just, that's all. I was just waiting for something to happen that was fantastical and nothing ever did. And while I still wanted to, I want, I kept reading because I wanted Azure to get a happy ending and she sort of did in that it was finally, she finally felt freed from the burden of her secret of Azure, uh, Indigo dying, which was very clearly an accident, but not that you'd be able to prove that to the police, but you know, she still felt responsible for Indigo's death. And the fact that when she went to confess to Toddy, Toddy thought she was Indigo. And so she felt compelled to take her place and live this life that she never actually wanted. She wanted, you know, freedom from Indigo and ended up being Indigo. You know, I, that was probably the most well executed like theme was in her attempt to escape, she imprisoned herself. I mean, of course she didn't do that to herself. I mean, Indigo did it. All that to say it wasn't a fantasy. And I wish that it was because I have too many books on my TBR pile to spend time reading books that aren't fantasy. That's all. I mean, all that to say, it wasn't a bad book. It just wasn't for me. It was very, very purple in its prose, very flowery. If you like that kind of feel, if you like that kind of gothic sort of storytelling, this might be interest 
interesting for you, but it's not a fantasy. I will tell you that right now. So my final rating for this book, I gave it three stars out of five. And again, I may have rated it higher if I knew what I was getting into going in, but I didn't. And this time it's not because I didn't do my research. I did do my research because even from reading the synopsis, I was like, is this really a fantasy? And then I just, I looked it up on a couple of different sites and it was tagged as fantasy all across the board. And so I was like, oh, okay. Maybe it's just really buried deep in there. Maybe it, there it's so subtle that, you know, they don't want to give it away in the synopsis. But it wasn't. It wasn't at all. I will say that the cover is gorgeous. I love the cover. It's so pretty. Like, I would definitely read something else by this writer. I know she has a YA fantasy out there. I don't typically read YA, but, you know, I'd read more adult stories from this author as long as they're actually fantasy. And that's just about it. All told, I am off to a pretty strong start with May, definitely better than April, and I'm really excited to just keep plugging away at my TBR, including the read for next week's episode, which is The Skin of the Sea by Natasha Bowen. Here's the synopsis. See you next week. A way to survive. A way to serve. A way to save. Simi prayed to the gods once. Now she serves them as Mamiwata, a mermaid, collecting the souls of those who die at sea and blessing their journeys back home. But when a living boy is thrown overboard, Simi goes against an ancient decree and does the unthinkable. She saves his life. And punishment awaits those who dare defy the gods. To protect the other Mamiwata, Simi must journey to the Supreme Creator to make amends, but all is not as it seems. There's the boy she rescued, who knows more than he should, and something is shadowing Simi, something that would rather see her fail. Danger lurks at every turn, and as Simi draws closer, she must brave vengeful gods, treacherous lands, and legendary creatures. Because if she fails, she risks not only the fate of all Mamiwata, but also the world as she knows it. Carrie Sher is an aspiring fantasy writer, content creator, and the mind behind justanotherstrugglingwriter.com. You can find her online on Twitter at Carrie underscore Share, on Instagram at Just Another Struggling Writer, and on Patreon, Ko-Fi, and Redbubble at Carrie Share. That's Carrie, K-E-R-R-Y, Share, like sharing with a friend.